Hello, welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. I'm your host. You can call me Dexter. Today, we're going to be talking about working with second units. Welcome to Background Noise. Let's start with a little story, shall we? I worked on a comedy show with a well-known improvisational comic. You know, the sort of one who makes shows about interacting with members of the public in character and just going with whatever comes up. Anyway, we were filming in an old music hall in South East London, a seedy sort of place that had seen better days, but which was still used on a Friday and Saturday night to host acts for the local working men's population. The place had been made up to look like a casino, and our lead character, let's call him Kevin, was playing a number of different characters, including a woman. Each one involved him dressing as the character and putting on a different voice or persona. So far, so good. Now, under normal circumstances, he'd do this. He'd have some sort of outline sketch for, wanted, for what he wanted to get from the skit. And he'd just run with it. He was very good at making things up on the, pl- on the fly, being funny, improvising, and producing entertaining and watchable TV, if that's the sort of thing you're into. But this wasn't normal for him. This show had a script. A finely tuned script. Admittedly, it wasn't Aaron Sorkin or Vince Gilligan level writing, but it was just what was needed for a late night Channel 4 comedy show. And Kevin couldn't do it. I was there for two days, and he was the main character in all the scenes we shot. And there wasn't a single take we did where he managed to get all the way through his words without missing a line, forgetting a line, or screwing a line up. Not a single take. It got so bad, in fact, that the other actors in the scene, including some who have some fairly impressive credits behind them, were shaking their head and rolling their eyes at the fact we were going to go for take after take after take. Now, don't get me wrong, I've spoken before and here about delivering lines to camera and how it's easy enough to blank on what you're supposed to say. I don't blame anyone for forgetting their lines. But in this case, it was obvious his method of working involved improvisation. And when the circumstances called for sticking to a rigid script, he was way out of his depth. Anyway, on to our main topic of conversation today. Second unit. What is a second unit? Well, that's both very easy to explain and very difficult to explain. At its most basic, second unit is a small additional film crew, which is used to film bits and pieces that don't usually involve the major cast members or indeed any cast members. If we imagine, for example, those scenes in American movies where the main actor gets into a car and then you see three or four shots of the car driving past camera over a bridge into Manhattan, over a state line to a different state, or being filmed from a helicopter, for example, before it arrives at its destination and the star steps out. Well, the shots at the beginning and the end are filmed with the first unit, i.e. the director and the main actors. But all those shots in the middle are generally filmed with second unit. Although shots in programmes like Game of Thrones, where random members of the King's Guard hack away at unnamed villagers tearing them to pieces, or the White Walkers set their hordes of zombies against the men of the Night's Watch, or that scene in the new Bond movie where James Bond takes his motorcycle up a sloping piece of wall and lands it outside a church in the middle of a wedding before heading away through narrow city streets, all of those will be second unit shots. The second unit will have its own director, its own crew, and its own quote-unquote actors. These actors are generally stuntmen or background actors, 
And what they do is not necessarily critical to the show, but they do have to do it in a way that makes it feel like it's part of the same film that the main director is putting together. Now, the beauty of working on a second unit as background is that it is usually all about you as the background artist. There's no stars to worry about or look after, no divas on set to mollycoddle, just a dedicated professional group of technicians working together to produce a single shot, or two, or three, or ten. So, if you get called to do second unit, you can be pretty sure you'll be potentially the main actor, or one of the main actors on the shoot. Everyone will know your name, you'll be treated with a little more respect than if you were just on the main unit. What's more, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be seen. Well, maybe not. I once spent an afternoon being a stand-in for Newt Scamander himself, Eddie Redmayne. But this wasn't in his Newt Scamander role. This was when he was playing Stephen Hawking in the Oscar-winning performance he gave in The Theory of Everything. And I was him driving in a Mini. Actually, to be fair, I was him riding in a Mini, being driven by a stunt woman in the rain along a bypass down near the Bluebell Railway in Hampshire. The shot is in the final film, the camera crew was up on a bridge over the bypass, but you don't see me and you don't hear me. In fact, that, that was one of the days when there wasn't really a reason for me to be there, but I turned up, did what was told of me and took the money. Second unit is full of bits like that. You might be doing something like crowd replication, which means sitting or standing in a small area, having some footage shot and then moving to another area, mixing yourself up and doing the same thing again and again and again. And after you've done this, some wizard in the uh, FX department knits all the bits together and voila, a hundred people can look like 2,000. Oh, remind me to tell you about my crowd replication scene at the Valley, Charlton Athletics football ground. Yeah, we'll do that in another episode. You might be doing something small and almost meaningless. In the shoot I talked about at the top of the show with Kevin, I ended up doing some second unit shooting with them. They basically needed my hands to do something with dice and roulette wheels and playing cards. I told you it was a casino we were supposed to be in, right? Or, and this is the piece de resistance, the gold medal, the holy grail of second unit work, you might get your own actual scene. It happened to be on a very large Hollywood movie about the war, directed by perhaps the best known and most successful director in Hollywood. No, the one you first thought of, not, not the other one. The scene would be me, in the shot, centre screen, in close-up, doing some emoting to the camera. There will be background artists in the shot, but it will be all about me. The famous Hollywood director was in the main unit shooting scenes with the leading actors, but this shot needed doing. So the second unit was brought in to perform the act. We spent an hour or so rehearsing. There was a reasonably complex camera move to sort out. And then another 30 minute shooting scene. The following day, I saw the second unit director of photography. He told me, famous Hollywood director has seen the shot and it's in the final movie. And it was. Sure, they edited it down for time, but it's there. And I'm 15 foot tall on the screen at my local multiplex when it appears. Nothing like it. So, second unit do pick-up shots like the one I was referring to just now with famous Hollywood director. They do close-up shots with hand doubles like the one I was referring to with a dice, roulette and blackjack. And they do stunt shots like the big Game of Thrones battle scenes. And the one thing all these shots have in common is that they're all pretty much directed by a second unit director. But that's not always the case. One of the most fun shoots I've had was working with director Louis Leterrier. He directed Clash of the Titans, the Sam Worthington remake, 
and I was called in to do some second unit work where stunts were involved in kidnapping someone standing in for the main actress. The problem was that Louis wanted to direct these scenes himself, which was fine, except he was also directing the main unit at Shepperton. So every day we'd get to the studio at Long Cross by about 7am, get into costume and makeup, and sit and wait in the sun until the main unit in Shepperton had finished doing their shots. They usually finished a little after lunchtime, so at about 2.30 Louis would roll up and we'd start our day's filming, finishing at around 10pm. Then it's home and back to do the same the following day. Yes, it was exhausting, but if you remember back to the episode where I discussed what background could earn, a long day like this ended up being very lucrative. And I did three weeks of it. I got asked recently who was the nicest person I met on set, and the short answer to that, as I've said above, is Louis Leterrier. But when I say that, 90% of the population look at me and go, huh? Because what they actually mean is, who's the nicest star I've met on set? Just FYI, Louis Leterrier is a French director, and he's done a number of big movies, apart from the Clash of the Titans remake, he did The Incredible Hulk, and the whole of the Dark Crystal TV series re reboot. He's a really nice guy, but that's not what you want to hear, right? Incidentally, the next question they ask is who's the worst person you've met on set, to which the answer is uh, revealed in an earlier podcast episode. But back to the nicest person. On the whole, film and TV production is a demanding, unforgiving, pressurised job where time is money and everything has to be done quickly. Tempers fray, arguments happen, and you can all get too much too soon. But within those confines, there are people who will always stop and say hello, remember you when they see you again, and they are generally very nice people. I could name literally dozens of people I've worked with both in front of and behind the camera who I would classify as lovely people. But at the top of that list would be Olivia Coleman. Just about everybody you chat to in the industry has an Olivia Coleman story and they're pretty much 100% lovely stories. And here's one of mine. Olivia starred as Her Majesty the Queen on two seasons of Netflix's TV show The Crown. She was what's called number one on the call sheet, which means she's the most important actor, she has the most lines, the most scenes, and is generally thought of as the star of the programme. She gets picked up at home in a car every day, every day looked after like royalty on set, <laughs> literally, and there is tremendous pressure on her to perform in any scene she's in. I was due to work on an unrelated scene shooting at a country house uh, out near Oxford, I think, meeting some Japanese dignitaries as I was a member of the press. We got to unit base, into costume, had breakfast, and then on the minibus to head out to set. In the minibus were 12 of us. This was back in the times before COVID meant you had to cut down the number of people in small spaces. And we arrived at the front door of the house and were asked to follow a production assistant into the house to find our holding area where we would wait to be called. What we didn't know, but found out quickly enough, was that Olivia and another actor were just inside the main door rehearsing for another scene. Now, I've mentioned on earlier podcasts just how important rehearsals are for TV, and this time is considered precious for the actors and the director. But, as soon as we opened the door and filtered in behind her, Olivia stopped what she was doing, turned, smiled to us, and said hello to every single one of us as we came in through the door. Hello, 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 hello there, hi, hello, hello, hi. Absolutely lovely. Remind me in future to tell you my James Norton story. Thanks for listening. This has been Background Noise. <laughs>